0: Oh, and welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, Chartered Psychologist and Coach, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing today?
1: I am very well, and I am delighted to be back. Here with you, <laughs> did you miss me, Richard?
0: <laughs> I did. It's been a little while since we recorded an episode together, so it's nice to have you back.
1: Yes, very nice, very nice. But I've been enjoying the solos, and of course, uh, the, the guests are always uh, are always uh, yeah. They add so much value.
0: It makes a change from mm. the routine. So, yes. uh, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the change of pace. Um, but we're back for a topic, and and actually, talking about a segue, I've just come off. Um, Running a webinar, live webinar for the public, um, which relates really nicely to the topic we're talking about today. Um, It was our Connect and Thrive webinar, which is all about workplace relationships, connections, and beating loneliness. And um, if you missed it, it's not a problem. It was recorded. And uh, in the next short while, I'll have a recording of that available and we will publicize that a lot. You won't be able to miss it. (laughs) Um, But actually, You know, one of the things I touched on was loneliness is a little bit stigmatized as a topic. It can be difficult to talk about, and we may not know that people around us are experiencing it. Today's topic is all about those difficult conversations that we come across in the workplace? I mean, there's plenty of them out there in the world, but just thinking about the workplace, lots and lots of different ways difficulty can show up and the discomfort that comes with that. So for the last few years, I've run, I wouldn't even hazard a guess, how many workshops with new managers and established managers and even leaders in organizations on how to overcome the discomfort and have good quality Conversations, no matter how difficult they are, I don't know if that surprises you, Pilar.
1: (laughs) Well, no, it doesn't at all. And actually, I, I actually already something you said, I've got a question about. So is that that okay? Question away, yeah. Um, Is uh, because you mentioned that talking about loneliness can be difficult, and it's really interesting that when the title "Having difficult conversations," that's not something that came to mind, Mm. and so. What what else are we talking about uh, under difficult conversations, Richard?
0: Oh, deep breath. I mean, <laughs> it could be anything. And and this is one of the most important points I cover in workshops around this because um, maybe principle one is it's very subjective and what's difficult for me may not be difficult for you. The difficulty in the conversation that needs to be had or ought to be had could be because of the topic. And so loneliness would fit in there. But other topics that people often find difficult are things to do with personal or family problems, something to do with money, um, physical or mental health, uh, conflict. You know, I could go on for the rest of our slot, just listing topics that people might find uncomfortable and difficult but it's it's not just the topic it could be talking to someone with whom we find communication difficult it could be because of their seniority it could be because of the history we have with them working together it could even be their reputation and we really haven't spoken to them yet mm. it could be the context we're in at the moment maybe it's one of organizational change headcount reduction there's a euphemism. Um, it could be a difficult conversation because I feel I should know the answer to this, but I don't, and I need to ask someone for help. So the difficulty could be one or a combination of those things. In addition, and then I'm going to pause. In addition, the difficulty could be mine. It could be from my perspective. It could be shared where we don't, You know, we both really find this difficult, or I might find this quite an easy conversation to have, but I'm having it with someone for whom the topic or the context is challenging. So, hence, I don't have a perfectly formed bullet list, or here are all the conversations and here's how you deal with them. But more, it's important to flag that actually looking at this from different perspectives could reveal the potential for an awful lot of discomfort out there. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. And there's already something I hadn't thought of before. And it's the difficulty. <laughs> what do you, going to use that word a lot today? Uh, the, the difficulty when people, when only one person in the conversation sees it as difficult, by which I mean sometimes it's we've got a topic or something we want to bring up. And for whatever reason, we're, we're finding it difficult. And then if the other person doesn't sense, how important or how difficult it's making us to talk about it, then that adds another layer, I think, because one mm. person is like, well, what, what what's the big deal about this conversation? You're seeing somebody else struggling. And for the other person, it's important. So I think that just adds to, to the difficulty of having those conversations.
0: It does. And also, if, we, if, if, I'm, if I need to talk to you about something, and i find the topic difficult i might not come out and say it i might ease into it or prepare the ground with some kind of preamble and if you're really busy right now you you, you might get frustrated at me you know going all around the houses before i arrive at my destination conversation wise and so you know if you're really busy you've got lots on and you're not really paying attention to me and i'm trying my roundabout way to indicate i'm about to tell you something personally difficult that could make it a much harder um conversation for all of us and you when you realize oh no he was trying to tell me something there and i was busy looking at my email now i know you would never do that but let's imagine (laughs) you were my manager and that's how you know you were and actually it's one of the things i mentioned on the webinar this afternoon um one of the, the reasons someone might feel lonely and disconnected on a team is not because of necessarily uh, nasty, toxic manager behavior. But if a manager signposts, I'm super busy, I haven't got time for a small talk, let's get down to business, what's on the agenda, not leaving any space for the conversations that are about how are you, how are you getting on? What do you need from me? You know, how are we doing? If you're not leaving space for that, it's very easy for someone to not feel valued, not feel connected and start to feel lonely. So we've talked about the power of conversation before on this podcast and, you know, inherent in conversation is it's two-way. And if there's just one-way communication going on, it's not much of a conversation and it doesn't leave you open to notice, oh, they've got something difficult they want to raise with me.
1: So you're already touching on some of it but what have you seen or what have you experienced are some of the things that we we do that don't make it easy for us to have that conversation for example if i want to bring up something with you and i it, it makes me very uncomfortable to do it, to do that what are some of the things that you've seen that get in the way
0: um so a lot of the things that we might do are um, very human responses to things that we don't like. So let's imagine I need to talk to you as my line manager. I need, I need to ask for extra time off because of a family issue. I might imagine all kinds of ways that you could respond to that that aren't helpful. And so I might just begin to procrastinate about the conversation and think, you know what, I'll speak to her tomorrow or next week would be an even better time to have this conversation and so on and so on. And before I know it, you know, the conversation is definitely not getting easier. I've deprived myself of time and now it's a bit of an emergency conversation because it's tomorrow is the day I need off and I've burnt through a lot of time just because I believed it would be better if I left it go. And of course we know procrastination is Mm. ultimately unsustainable. It doesn't help us in any way, but it gives us that momentary relief from the the ick you know the discomfort of doing something now so that's a really common response when we realize oh no this conversation could be a little bit difficult we might also um just want to get it over with and so our focus is speed right let's rush through this and when we do that you know we might not convey the seriousness. We might not make ourselves fully understood. We might not be conveying the right message about it. And we're treating it more like a task. It's done. Move on. And of course, if we're rushing through, we might not be paying attention to the other person. We might not be noticing how this is landing with them. We might not be giving them a chance to respond or ask questions. So again, we're we're kind of moving away from conversation and moving towards um, a monologue, <laughs> or the the one way delivery of a message. But both of these, they're about oh, I don't want to feel the discomfort associated with this. So here's what I'm going to do instead. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's that thing of. I'm, I'm just not going to have it. Then I won't feel more discomfort than I'm feeling now. But I suppose that the danger of that is that we start, well, I, what I would do is then I start to have the conversation, but I have it in my head.
0: And then what happens? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. And then it just it's gets worse and made worse. easier. It yes, can. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. You know, we might find ourselves not just having a conversation, but having an epic Hollywood movie yeah. in our minds, which convinces us not to have the conversation. So, you know, once we notice, once we realize me asking for this special favor or me giving this feedback or me giving bad news, you know, giving you any kind of disappointing news, we realize, oh, that's not going to be fun. In fact, it's going to be the opposite of fun. And we realize, okay, I have options to avoid this, that, you know, this is what it boils down to. So a really common one would be to use the wrong communications channel completely and Mm. sidestep the conversation. And I could send you a message on Slack or send you an email or on Teams. And of course, I've, I've used the words that describe the thing I want to say, but I haven't said it to you. I haven't seen your level of understanding or acceptance. You haven't seen my facial expression or heard the tone of my voice. So a lot gets lost in there. And we run the risk of not communicating Uh, our message properly. And of course, leaving someone with the wrong impression entirely, because not everyone is great at writing these things. And, you know, choosing your channel for communication is a real skill, especially when you've got multiple channels available to you.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I've been on the receiving end of what should be a difficult conversation, having been a one-sided email. And Mm. I, I just think that it's yeah, well, what, what, what it's made me um, do is not to do that when I'm the one that needs to have a difficult conversation and just know that there's just some things that for respect for the other person, for respect to you as well, so that you can you can have the conversation that you need to have rather than the one way thing as well. I think, for example, just talking about sending an email instead of having a conversation, it is so painful to have to wait for a reply as well. <laughs> That it's almost like even just talking about avoiding discomfort, for me to avoid the discomfort of that weight, I'd rather just have the conversation. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The wrong channel, it's um, easy. Yeah.
0: It's really easy to do. And of course, we've all heard the phrase keyboard warriors. You know, people might write something that they would never say to your face. And of course, it could escalate the difficulty, it could escalate tension or friction or disagreement. And so text-based communication has its place. It's super for lots of stuff. Mm. But if we've already decided the topic is a difficult one, probably deserves some some kind of conversation.
1: And um, we might... Uh, uh,
0: um, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, sorry. I was just going to say, now that you mentioned the, the text, sorry to interrupt, is that sometimes, I mean, talking about what is a difficult conversation, but sometimes what I have done is in order to be able to have the difficult conversation, I've laid down some context beforehand. Yes. yes. just with, And that can be, so I think that, yeah, this it's just very complex, this whole topic.
0: <laughs> well, it is, but you, you touch on a point that I always raise in workshops, which is you're having a conversation with someone, you're having it with a unique individual. This is about your relationship with that person and what you know about that person. So if you're the manager, for example, it's about managing the individual and that could give you some clues as to how they might benefit from notice that you want to have the conversation so they can get their thoughts in order, or that you might need to give them some points in writing first so they could digest it and then come prepared to the conversation. Or if they're the kind of person who really wants to absorb it, go away, and then come back and have part two Mm. of the conversation. But, you know, as soon as we focus on making it easier for ourselves, we're losing sight of the other person. And, and that's important if you're a manager, but it's important if it's one of your peers as well, that we're, we're not focused on having a good quality conversation, we're focused on having either a comfortable one or maintaining harmony or being someone's friend or being liked, and that just moves us away from, well, why are we having this conversation in the first place? We can inadvertently send mixed messages. Now, some of us will have an unfortunate tendency to, you know, um, say one thing with our voice and another thing with our face. You know, people have a nervous smile, or, or sometimes people use humor to diffuse a situation. And I, I, I wouldn't say never do that, but I would always say be cautious about using humor. You might think you're diffusing tension. But the other person might interpret that as a lack of respect or just simply, well, why are you cracking a joke when this is such an important topic? Or I'm not sure, should I be laughing at that or should I be serious? Or it, it's, you know, it's a real challenge. So again, humor might make you feel better, but it may well not translate into something that signifies the importance of this conversation to the other person. And I I have disappointed people in in workshops by saying, I advise against humor, because for many people, that's a, a key tool in the toolkit. So it's not never, but maybe think carefully about it and think about the person you're speaking with. When it comes to feedback, feedback is consistently flagged as something that can be an uncomfortable thing to do, particularly when it's corrective in nature, as in what many people would call negative feedback, but you know, I'm asking you to stop doing something or do something better, or I'm going to point out your error and ask you to do it a different way. That can be uncomfortable, and again, we might end up sugarcoating it. You know, adding in irrelevant positives, or and that's a kind of mixed message too, right? You know, you did it wrong, but oh, but it doesn't matter so much. But I, I need you to improve <laughs> your performance, but it's not such a big deal, and what did what do they do with that you know what are they support what's actionable about that you could walk away feeling okay and they're left going i wonder why she said that in that way now to me it's not effective communication you can see where it comes from it comes from this is a bit icky to do so what i'm doing is actually letting my emotions have more of a sway over the situation either i want this to be a happy pleasant experience Or I want it to be over, or I'm really annoyed that I have to do this. And so my frustration is what's going to be in charge here. And as I've explored with many, many managers, as soon as you lose your temper, you've kind of lost the argument because anyone who's listening to you can say, well, that's just emotion. It's not evidence. It's not rational. It's not anything I need to do, you know, anything about. And it erodes respect and trust. So letting any of our emotions completely take over is inadvisable. And yet we're emotional creatures. So we can um, cultivate emotion to signify the importance of what we're talking about. But I'll come back to that in, in a moment. So again, I, we could spend all day talking about how we mess mm. this stuff up as humans, yes. but you, <laughs> you, they resonate, resonate with you, right? You, you, you get where I'm coming from with those unhelpful responses to the discomfort.
1: Yes. And unfortunately, I can relate to a lot of them either from having been the one who needed to bring something up. And again, I mean, the sugar coating, uh, it's so uh, sugar coating any kind of bad news. Uh, it's, um, it's difficult, um, because I, th- I suppose it's that tendency to show that it really, you don't want to be having this conversation. <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah. And of course, we might, you know, really, Anticipate a response that we don't get.
1: You mm. know,
0: we might yes. anticipate the other person is going to be really annoyed or they're going to be really upset or, you know, they're really going to hate me for this, but we might be surprised. So, actually, um, deciding how we're going to communicate based on something that hasn't happened yet, when you put it that way, isn't really that helpful. If we have to have a difficult conversation, let's focus on the meat of that and let's um, prepare. For how we would like to be, rather than how can I avoid all of the nastiness that I think is inherent in this. So again, as, as a general principle, once you decide how can I make this more comfortable for me, or how can I make this easier for me, that's a bit of a trap. And after you've decided that, then you're likely to experience all of those things we've just run through. And
1: I have to say, I've just remembered one conversation that I did, wasn't looking forward to having, which was I just wanted to tell someone I wanted to, to leave their team. And again, we started the conversation and they said, yeah, I've noticed. Great. <laughs> that mm-hmm. it was that, that thing of, I thought it was going to be really difficult and I was going to explain all sorts of things. But no, they'd already seen and we'd seen that actually it wasn't a surprise that I wanted to go. And then it was an easy conversation rather than a difficult one. So I think that um, it's it can be surprising. Um, Yeah. And, and so Richard, then what, what are some of the things, I mean, we've, we've got all the things that might get in the way of us having the conversation. What are some of the ways in which we can approach the conversation?
0: So you, you've just touched on something I think that's really important because, um, a number of years ago, and this is one of those things that sticks with you. I, I read, um, and I call it an opinion piece, not an article, but it was an opinion piece on on LinkedIn. Someone saying, we should never teach people or never run training courses on how to have a difficult conversation because there's no uh, no such thing. (gasps) And And I kind of, part of me says, well, actually, yes, because it's not about difficult or easy. It's about quality and intent and focus and all that good stuff. But part of me went. No, we're humans, and of course, there's going to be some conversations that are difficult. And and if it is not difficult for you, it could well be difficult for the other party. And you need to at least acknowledge that the people that you work Mm -hmm. with could find some of this stuff difficult. So, hence, um, this is a topic that that does come up. And I'm not some kind of uh, stoic about it. We will find these things a bit of a challenge from time to time. So, accepting that you will have these conversations is probably one of the most important things. Acceptance of the ick of having difficult (laughs) conversations means you're much less likely to try and get rid of it, avoid it, minimize it, get distracted by it. It's part of doing meaningful stuff. So in other words, if you're a manager, if you're a team leader, a supervisor, um, it's part of that important role, um, having conversations that you or your team members might find difficult. If you acknowledge and accept it as part of the job, then yeah, it, it means that your focus can be more on having the conversation rather than making it easier. And that, that is powerful, that explicit acceptance, as is preparation. Now, if, you're, if you know you need to have a conversation with someone, you could prepare, plan, maybe even make a few notes of the key points you want to make. Um, that's great. Two things here we need to be honest with ourselves that the preparation isn't a form of procrastination because we could prepare forever but secondly we don't always get the chance to prepare someone may approach us us and initiate a conversation that we don't want to have so being able to handle that in the moment is really important and to manage ourselves in a conversation not letting our emotional response take over but to focus on listening and being receptive to hear what's really being said, not what we imagine uh, is going to be said. So that involves us, you know, being in the present moment, really focusing on the conversation itself. The way I put it in workshops, because I think most people can identify with this at some point in their lives, when you have an interview, when you're being interviewed for, for a job, it's so easy to get caught up with reflections on how you're doing. And preempting the next question and wondering what you're going to say next to the extent that you miss a question you realize i was talking to myself in my own head there and i actually don't know what just happened we can do that in any difficult situation when we're focused on what do i think about this what will i do next rather than what are they saying what are they not saying how will i answer the thing that they just said so it's something that can take a lot of the pressure off, rather than preparing an epic speech or accounting for every response we might get. We just say, no, if I'm focused on the conversation, focused on the person, I respond to what they've said, not what I think they might say uh, in my worst nightmares. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, completely. And I think it's a, a, very, uh, a very fine line between preparing Preparing for procrastination, uh, mm. preparing uh, to try to anticipate everything, and then I, I completely get as well. Just not being present in the moment, especially if we're having that difficulty, and uh, and we mm. and we start to feel a bit anxious as well. More than yeah,
0: it takes us away. It it definitely does. Yeah. And um, so a- acknowledging that it's beneficial acknowledging and practicing it when you don't need it. Like a lot of the skills we talk about, they're worthwhile practicing in your everyday, so that when someone does come with some bad news or you have to have one of these conversations, you've got this skill of being present in in the moment. And of course, I say, I shouldn't need to say this, and no one should need to be reminded about this, but that implies not multitasking while you're having these conversations not keeping one eye on your phone or your monitor while you're having an important conversation, because that just means you're depriving yourself of the capacity to give all your attention to the other person and respond in a way that you'd later be proud of. Um, And and that's often one of the things that people do when they're really uncomfortable. They distract themselves in an effort to not experience all of the Mm. discomfort that's coming with it. Now, as as part of our preparation, um, there's three simple things that I I cover off with with my clients that helps them at least, um, not in a script-like way, but to prepare themselves for the conversation. Three questions. What's your role here? Your role, the answer could be really simple, like I'm the manager. And that reminds you that it's part of your job. Or your role could be something uh, unofficial, like, well, I'm the technical expert on the team in this. So reminding you that you actually know something that some of the others may not know. And so it's less about hierarchy and it's more about, I probably should say this, or it may be, actually, my role here is as uh, a really dedicated parent. And that's why I'm having this conversation. So reflecting on the role you're bringing into the conversation, followed by your goal, why are you having the conversation? It's really important to clarify the goal so that you can keep a focus on where you're going. Um, One of the other things that can happen when we're a bit uncomfortable is that we can just deviate and go off down all kinds of rat holes and, and avoid the central topic. So reminding yourself, my goal is to ask this person about their domestic situation because I haven't seen them in a week. My goal is to give them this performance feedback. My goal is to ask for Uh, Discretionary leave. You know, your goal is not to feel comfortable. Your goal is not to avoid ruffling feathers. Your goal is X, clarifying your role and your goal. And the third is your values. What are the values you'd like to express in this situation? In other words, how would you like to show up? And given the topic, given the other person, given the context, you might be leaning into values like being patient, uh, being calm. Um, being, you know, being serious or professional or compassionate. I, I don't know. It's going to depend on the context you're in, but thinking about your values enables you to, um, maybe turn down the volume on the fear or anxiety or general unpleasantness and just think about the the way you'd like to interact. And that helps us avoid all of those scripts, he said, she said, and um, indefinite preparation.
1: I think being very clear about what you want to get from the conversation or what the goal is, I think that that really helps me is really focus and and to prepare for it, yeah.
0: This, unfortunately, doesn't mean (laughs) you'll automatically get that goal. You know, you know what I mean. I'm going to ask. I'm here to ask for leave, and my manager may say no. Okay, but my goal is not to say, "How was your weekend?" and "What do you think of the Mm -hmm. weather?" I'm going to. That's where I want to get to. I want to ask for this extra time off. So, um, yes, sadly, we may not always be successful Mm -hmm. in that, but at least we've then behaved in a way that is reflective of where we want to get to and the kind of person we want to be. Much less likely to be dragged aside by our emotions or very um, fleeting thoughts about the situation. One final thing uh, that I would say in terms of the psychological discomfort that shows up when we think about a difficult conversation would be not to um, try and uh, obviously minimize or avoid that, but to get used to the fact that it will show up and actually interrogate it a little bit. What is it that's actually showing up? Often discomfort can appear like a a big kind of wave of gross feelings, you know, and we just want to move away from it. But actually, if we were to say, oh, the discomfort I'm feeling is all, mm, it's anxiety, or the discomfort I'm feeling is a fear of failure or a fear of being judged, or it's I'm riddled with self-doubt because I'm not sure if I should be giving this feedback. We're being more specific. We're applying a label to it. And so we're not being it. It's something we have, not something we are. And based on all of our conversations about psychological flexibility, we know that if we're practicing this labeling of our discomfort, the thoughts and feelings that show up, it depowers them <laughs> to a certain extent. And it means that we're not looking through them and making sense of the world. We're looking at them as an experience that we have at the moment rather than something that's telling us how to behave. So that is really helpful um, to, to realize that discomfort's part of this, but it's also not in the driving seat. And there's a big difference between the two. So finally, finally, um, <laughs> and this is a general principle um, rather than a, something that's terribly actionable, but you know, once we've realized all of this, we've reflected on this stuff, we know what we want to get out of the conversation, we know how we want to be, we need to ensure that whatever it is we do next is moving us towards that goal and not away from the discomfort. So that could be, I need to have this conversation, so I'm going to move towards it by booking a meeting with this person, not deciding I'm going to have it next week. Uh, it, it will be um, asking them, are they free to talk later? That's a move towards the goal. So this helps us um, stop believing that we have to do everything at once and it has to be hugely successful. We're just moving towards that goal. And um, it's not about taking some of the discomfort out of it, but it's allowing us to make steps towards what's important. We need to continue making those steps, but it means we don't have to do it all in one go. And that can make those first steps a little bit easier. How's that for some thoughts on having more difficult conversations?
1: That was a lot of thoughts. <laughs> and I will particularly keep this very last one. I think that is such a helpful way for me to look at it, which is how do I move towards the goal while not necessarily uh, planning to move away from the discomfort? I think for me that that's, um, yeah, I will. I will keep mm-hmm. that one, but I will also come back to this episode the next time I'm preparing for a difficult conversation. You see, I'm humor. Humor is something I use. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah,
0: Laughter. and humor. and so you know, listeners, as you're thinking this through, I think it's part of being human that we all have difficult conversations from time to time. We've all had them in the past. We could all learn from what we've done. So um, none of this is to say the next conversation that you have is a bit uncomfortable will be perfect. We're not aiming for perfection in any of those Mm. things. Maybe aiming to be 1% better than the last one. Maybe more values aligned. Maybe less um, sugarcoating, you know, (laughs) whatever it is Mm. that you tend to do that you realize isn't helping you. And this notion of moving towards versus moving away helps us stop thinking of success versus failure. One thing Mm. I do will be successful, one will be a failure. No, no, no. A small thing you do will help move you towards having a better conversation next time. And that's it. That's all we need to do. So we've covered another interpersonal workplace topic. We started talking about loneliness, but anything could be uncomfortable for you, for them, for both of you. I think the number one thing is to realize it's part of working with other people and that it's absolutely not about making it less uncomfortable but more focused, more intentional, more aligned with values. Then these conversations will be more likely to happen. They won't be fun, they won't bring happiness or spark joy, but they will happen and there's a reason they're happening. And you know, that's why it's really important to think about our goals and our values. Listeners, I'd love to hear from you on this topic. Um, How do you navigate the difficulty of conversations? Are there topics we haven't mentioned that you know people find particularly difficult? Um, How is it supported or made more difficult in the work environment where you find yourself? You can send us an email, uh, podcast at worklifepsych.com. You can find us on all the social channels at work life psych. Um, and, um, we'd love to hear from you. We always love to get the feedback. And I've had two examples in the last two weeks where people emailed me, but also one person stopped me on the street. They recognized me. Um, what? And that was, yes, <laughs> that was very, very interesting. So, um, that's twice this year that's happened. Uh, so I will never play down the chance of coincidences <laughs> as a result of that happening. Wow. Anyway, um, Pilar, thank you for joining me once again. It's been great to reconnect with you on this topic. Yes. Um, it's a bit of an evergreen topic. So hopefully we'll get some feedback, some chat about it. Um, and uh, to all the listeners out there, thank you once again for joining us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at Psych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifesyke.com slash contact. Thanks for listening.